This is Bucks First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Kids in cages, kids in cages. I remember that, don't you, during the Trump administration? Anytime you wanted to talk about immigration, anytime you had a conversation with a Democrat, they would they would bleat that like sheep. Kids in cages. I had one scream in my face on the Bill Maher show, the former governor of Michigan. I'll never forget screaming at kids in cages. I wasn't even talking about detention and migrant facilities or anything like that. But we we're talking about immigration more broadly. And that was the only line that had to be said. Yeah, so that's that's their approach. They come up with a slogan. They all shout the slogan and they think that they've made a really important point. And if you disagree, you're a bad person. Here's the problem with brainless slogans. They generally don't hold up very well. Now, I know the Democrats are only interested in short term political gain. They have no interest whatsoever in actually looking at the long term real world effects of pretty much all of their policies. But on immigration, we're starting to see exactly where this party is trying to take us. And I want I want everyone to be very clear. There's the AOC wing and then there's the the Biden pseudo Democrat moderates. Right. But they're trying to take us to the same place. AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is trying to get us to go to a place that Joe Biden will take us to as well. It's just she's more honest about it. She's like, let's just stop the, the pretense. We're Democrats. We don't want border security. We want open borders. Let's go for it. And so that's why this is something we all have to pay attention to. But that was the single biggest moral victory the Democrats claimed really in the first two years of the Trump presidency was was the uh, constant media uh, analysis and, and all the news stories about how Trump was running detention camps for children. He's evil. Well, the problem is that now there are unaccompanied minors who cross the border illegally who are also being held in a facility that was considered a kids in cages facility. Now, I know what Democrats are going to do. They're going to say, well, now the facilities have, you know, more soccer balls and pillows and I don't know, more access to to TVs or PlayStations or something. They're going to say they're nicer and and act like that's a big difference. But I, I remember that when this initially happened and Trump was in office, they were comparing these facilities to concentration camps. In fact, AOC herself used that term concentration camps at the border. That's what they said. My former boss, CIA director Mike Hayden, who apparently lost his mind when he was no longer in charge of the CIA or just showed everybody that he's a big liberal, big lib. Uh, he also referred to the concentration camps at our southern border. So this was something that the left was very, uh, very energized and upset about and was using to bludgeon Trump and his supporters in every opportunity over the immigration issue, because there was a crisis going on. Here's what was really happening as a little bit of review for the folks at home. Uh, the surge of migrants to our southern border was the exploitation of a loophole by people predominantly, but not entirely, from Central America 
who were crossing through Mexico to the U.S. border pretending that they were fleeing violence when really they just wanted to be in a better country than Honduras or Guatemala, better economic climate, you know, just better in in every quality of life measure. And so they said, well, I'm fleeing violence. They had been coached and they knew that once they got into the United States by claiming uh, secondary asylum after crossing the border illegally, they would not have to show up for their hearing and then they'd be in the U.S., And they'd be good to go. That was what hundreds of thousands of them did. Now, I remember when Democrats had to try to defend this because it was just a giant, a giant de facto open door policy at our border. What they kept saying was, oh, they'll show up. Well, obviously, they weren't going to show up. And most of them didn't. And the ones who did show up then also had the option for their for their asylum hearing, then had the option of not showing up to their deportation hearing, which is a whole different hearing at a later date. But it was useful to Democrats to play dumb on this issue. They acted like, well, we really believe that people are going to show up. We really believe that they're going to keep their word and and obey the law. This is all about the legality or illegality, uh, illegality of these things. And of course, that didn't happen. But they focused on Trump. And kids in cages because they didn't want the American people to say, hold on a second. Why are Democrats in favor of people scamming our system to get to the front of the immigration line? Why do they advocate in favor of this all the time? Well, we know Democrats want people who come into the country illegally to be able to stay because it increases their political power and increases the size of Democrat controlled population centers, which then also, as we know now, factors into the census. And it increases their power politically when they make people citizens, which they're trying to do right now, who will then vote for Democrats. So this is just a a system for the manufacturing of Democrat votes. It's not because they care so much about the left. It's I mean, about the, the 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 poor, the left, the poor and the underserved. It's not because they have some soft spot for everyone from all over the world. I mean, they have a soft spot as long as it's your money. That is going your tax dollars going to support it, your neighborhood school that is going to have to have more English as a second language classes. You're going to have to deal with more uh, people who are arriving who will need a greater degree of financial assistance because illegal immigrants, they always try to conflate these things, do require on average more state services, do require more assistance to be in the actual um, marketplace and be in the employment uh, in the employment sector. So that's the way this shakes out. And yet here we are all over again there. Now they've got Biden doing exactly the same thing. They'll say it's so different. It's really not. He's got unaccompanied teenagers who are being held. So they're being detained. So what's supposed to happen? We're going to do what? And I want you to be clear on this as well. They're sending meaning there are people, adults who are sending their unaccompanied teens across the border. Right. And there's a whole Democrat plan here, too, where they want to reunite people that were deported during the Trump years. So if you get your if you were deported, but you send your kid back over the border, then you know what ends up happening? You've got this great new uh, tether to the United States. You've got this connection, this this anchor, if you will, inside the U.S. And this is the game. This is the whole plan. They get 11 million plus. And I know the number is bigger than 11 million, but I don't know what the number is. I don't believe anybody knows the true number. 
they've got at least 11 million um, and they think that they'll be able to get to full legalization and citizenship for all of them. And then, by the way, all this stuff you're hearing about, oh, buck, we're going to fix mail in ballots. We're going to fix, you know, we're, we're going to fight on the. Well, if they add a few million voters to the to the rolls who are going to three to one vote Democrat. We got bigger problems even than mail-in ballot shenanigans. We, we got structural political issues that we face. And that's the look at how Democrats, you almost got to respect it. I mean, it's it's ruthless. It's pulling the country apart at the seams. It's lawless. But Democrats, when they're in charge, man, they go for it. What did we do for all the bluster, for all the talk from the GOP and, yes, from Trump for the first two years? We need a majority in the House and the Senate. What do we do? Tax cuts. Yeah, that tax cut. We heard a lot about it. I don't think anybody really believes that that was quite as worthy of celebration as we may have thought at the time. So here we are now. This is a structural long term political issue. This I mean, this really does affect the future of the country. And Democrats will cover for Biden on this. But it also is is illuminating in many ways to see that their idea here is to just make sure that this is as emotional an issue as possible and that people don't understand what's really going on. And the way that people are gaming the system, there are a lot of legal immigrants. There are a lot of legal immigrants who listen to this show. And who write into me, who say, I spent years, I did it the right way. I had to pay, you know, immigration attorneys. I had to go through the the visa process. I had to get my green card. I had to do all these things. And apparently I could have, you know, sent my 15-year-old across the border, which is reckless, by the way, because you're sending somebody across uh, cartel-controlled territory. You're sending a minor. I mean, this the whole other thing. This is not good, this behavior that's going on here. It's putting children at risk. Adults are putting children at risk, and the U.S. is scooping them up and saying, "Okay, well, we're going to feed you and protect you and take care of you while we figure out what we're supposed to do here. But, you know, we weren't able to have an adult discussion about this before. It was kids in cages. That's all they wanted to say. What are they saying now? Obviously, very different things because it's a Democrat in charge. Remember this, though, pointing out their hypocrisy doesn't do anything. They are hypocrites and they know it. They don't care. They're in power. What their move now is to ignore what they said before and just see what they can get away with, what they can rub the Republican side of the country's face in right now. That, that's what they're trying to do. What can they use as a major power play here on the immigration issue? That's all that's it. That's all that's on their minds. They do not care about consistency. They do not care about the rule of law. And they certainly don't care that. Yeah, fine. Maybe now Biden's got kids in cages, too. But he's Joe Biden and AOC is trying to get an open door policy at our southern border. So, you know, what can you do? Let's just get what we want done as Democrats. That's their approach. Obviously, we want to try, uh, try to thwart this, but there's also something to learn from them here. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The headline from the Daily Mail says a lot. AOC demands ICE and Department of Homeland Security are abolished and that U.S. lets in climate refugees in radical plans set to infuriate centrist Democrats. Oh, there is so much in that headline. 
Um, so much to work with there. First, let's start with what Miss AOC, the ideological leader of the Young Democrats. I know, terrifying thing, but it's a true thing. Here's what she said. The Washington Post reported first migrant facility for children opens under Biden. AOC responded on Twitter. This is not OK. Never has been OK. Never will be OK. No matter the administration or party. Our immigration system is built on a carceral framework. It's no accident that challenging how we approach both those issues are considered controversial stances. They require reimagining our relationship to each other and challenging common assumptions we take for granted. It's only two months in this administration and our fraught, unjust immigration system will not transform in that time. That's why bold reimagination is so important. DHS, uh, DHS shouldn't exist. Agencies should be reorganized. ICE has got to go. Ban for profit detention. Create climate refugee status and more. This is open borders. A declaration of open borders for the United States if she gets her way. You understand that, right? Climate refugees? Uh, okay. I don't like the weather in my country, and I say it's been getting hotter over the last 10 years. I'm now a climate refugee. Take me in. You, you, you don't think that's going to be abused? They're abusing asylum right now, right? They're abusing you know, refugee status is when you apply in your home country. Asylum is when you arrive here. That's the difference. But they have people who aren't, they're not the target of any particular violence. But they just say they have a they have a, a a fear of violence to pass the very low standard credible fear test at our southern border. And once they're inside the United States, that's it. It's all over. Right. That's the that's then then they get to go do whatever they want. That's the whole game. They did that with claiming fear of violence in very vague terms. But they don't have to give any. They just sometimes they would say, oh, I fear violence from MS-13 or I mean, why did why does do we believe they're being politically persecuted and they, they're under violent threat? No, they're just saying there's high crime in my country. Well, OK, I mean, there's high crime in Baltimore, too. There's high crime in a lot of cities. This is the reality of certain countries. That's not what asylum is for, but it was abused. Now she's saying create climate refugee status. Yeah. Folks, you know, it starts to feel more and more like. What is America if it does become an open borders country? Are we just a an economic zone? Are you are you going to want to fight? Are you going to tell your children to fight in the military for a country where people can come and go as they please from anywhere all over the world? Stay as long as they want or as short as they want. Not a carceral framework for sure for coming into the country illegally because, well, what's going to be illegal about it? They're, they're undermining the very sense that a nation can have borders. I hope you see that. We are the only country in the world, by the way, that is going through this lunacy. We are actually the tip of the crazy spear on immigration and border issues. No other country just says, you know what? Sure, let's just let everyone keep coming and let everyone. Germany, remember Angela Merkel a few years back? taking in all these refugees from Syria. And people said, hold on a second. You're taking in a, a, a million refugees a year. I mean, can we have a conversation about this? This is going to this is going to put some strain on society. Oh, no, that's a terrible thing to say. They always, of course, they, they fall back on it. It's so racist. Um, does it matter if people come from 
elsewhere in the world. If we're really going to play the any conversation about immigration is racist game, someone needs to explain to me why we don't just allow. Let's allow 15 million uh, you know, Chinese immigrants to come to America. No questions asked tomorrow and just see what that does to the country. Oh, is that that's OK? How about 50 million? You don't you don't think they would come if they were allowed to? If, if they knew they could show up here. I mean, we got freedom. Uh, we got a open economy. We got liberty. Well, not really anymore. But, you know, we used to. We have these ideas of freedom and liberty more so than China, although Democrats are trying to end that, too. You know, really think this one through. Where do they draw the line? Where does AOC draw the line? Abolish ICE? Think about that. She's straight up saying we don't need anyone enforcing immigration law, period, full stop. Well, if I, I hate to break this to her, she might have missed this part of political philosophy 101. If no one enforces a law, it ceases to be a law. So if there are no people enforcing immigration laws, we are an open borders country. De facto, it doesn't matter what we say. That's what they want. Look at this. We're, we're two months in and already here we are having this conversation. Democrats, they don't waste time. You know, they they are disciplined authoritarians. They go right for it. You know, Republicans are going, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe we don't want to be too rough with the other side. Democrats say, yeah, what can we get away with? Shut your mouth. We have the power now. Elections have consequences. So what if it changes the country forever? That's our plan. That's what we're trying to do. And remember, there's a whole separation here. There's a whole change in the attitude from the Democrats over just the last 10 or 15 years on this issue. They are progressively getting more radical and more open about their intentions. You're in the Freedom Hut. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Get the latest from Buck at BuckSexton.com. DHS shouldn't exist. Agency should be reorganized. ICE has got to go. This is what AOC was saying. And uh, this is what she tweeted, I should say. And this is a window into the mindset of the radical left these days. The problem, and you're seeing this all through society. You're seeing this with the BLM movement. You're seeing this with Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Think of the slogans now of the left. Defund police. Disband DHS, right? Destroy ICE. Abolish ICE is what they were saying. So these, these are the slogans that they use about different law enforcement mechanisms in this country. And you'll notice that they never actually stop to have a, a conversation. There's no discussion about whether the laws that are being enforced, are they illegitimate? Should we just not enforce these laws? Is, is there no reason for police to exist in society? It, why should we defund police? What sense does that make? Unless you think the problem is not the rape and murder and and burglary and assault surge uh, and an ongoing crisis in different communities, particularly in, in urban centers across America. That's not the problem. The problem is the police. I know you, you think about this, you say this, and you take a step back and realize uh, this is insane. This is not something that an intelligent, well-adjusted person could really believe, is it? No, it turns out there are people out there who 
have gone to this place. We, we, there, there are cycles of this in, in American society. You can go back and, and you start to read the way that you know, criminologists and sociologists and these, these so-called social scientists, by the way, the most BS phrase ever. These people are not social scientists. There's nothing scientific about them. We're going to do a regression analysis on, you know, oppression studies or whatever. It doesn't work. It's nonsense. Sociology is an entire academic discipline devoted to upholding left wing belief and cultural Marxism. That's what sociology is. Uh, but they used to they, they went through this whole mentality of the problem is not the criminal. The problem is society. That's a very dangerous thought process to have. Uh, when you start to enact this, when you take it to its logical ends, if the criminal is not the problem, if society is the problem, how can anyone be held to account? No, we have to be held to account collectively. And that means collective, uh, that means collective change. It means collective punishment as well in the form of taxation and, and also in the form of we need to suffer. We are an oppressive, bad, evil society, the left believes, and therefore, the dysfunctions that exist, instead of holding individuals in our society responsible for what they do that breaks the law, and that is an immoral attack on, on fellow human beings, whatever it may be, whether it's stealing or violence or all kinds of uh, assaults and uh, the predation that occurs on, unfortunately, a daily basis in major American cities where criminals are attacking law-abiding citizens. And let's also remember a majority of the victims, the victims of assaults and violent crime in many of our urban centers are, in fact, minorities. So they're the ones suffering as a result of these liberal policies uh, and this this different approach to things. And you see the mentality, though, they're they're going after society as a whole instead of holding individuals accountable this is a, a reordering of the way we view our interactions with each other and with the state i mean this is this is to borrow from obama fundamental transformation kind of stuff if someone is not responsible for what they do if society is responsible that leaves them a whole lot of room for operation doesn't it uh, we, we went through this where criminals were being let out of prison constantly you know why why do we hold people in prison in the first place i mean maybe we need to start having these conversations out loud again as as a society because some people seem to have forgotten this um there are there are multiple reasons one is that people should pay a price for their crimes particularly their crimes against against other people um and and there's the concern that if you have somebody who is a threat to public safety they need to be taken out of uh, they're out of the public so that they won't be able to attack people and continue with their behavior. And this is all very straightforward. I mean, normal people just know this stuff. And you probably think, well, don't don't Democrats. So they, they, they know this, too. Right. I mean, they're not. No, they do not. Some of them do. Some of them are not quite that crazy. This is why the Biden administration said, well, we don't want to defund police. How could anyone think that defunding police is a good idea? You know, they they cut back or they try to cut back the budget in Minneapolis and never now argues, oh, but they didn't actually cut it. And OK, but the crime went up. Why is crime going up? I thought we had all these community activists marching and, and talking about ending violence. These people are frauds. They don't march to actually end violence. They're not helping their communities, the BLM activists that are leading these marches. That's not what actually ends up happening. 
They call for, you know, federal consent decrees. They call for oversight of local police force by politicized feds. And the police say, fine, we're just going to do less. And then everyday folks, including a lot of minorities, get hurt, get attacked, get robbed and worse. But a bunch of libs writing checks to different, you know, uh, socialist organizations in America who live in Malibu and live on the Upper West Side and live in, you know, Calorama in D.C. or Georgetown. You know, they feel good about themselves. Oh, we're, we're not building a carceral state anymore. These people know nothing about law enforcement. They know nothing about what it's actually like to be dealing with the dysfunctions of society. I think ultimately they uh, many of them also because they don't really generally believe in God. They tend to be people that want to reorder society in the mold of the collective. And this is why the Soviet Union was so adamantly atheist. They don't believe in God because a connection between the individual and the divine interferes with the state in place of God. So you can't have that. But they also believe that individual moral agency is not really a thing. Think more about the way that intersectionality and, and identity politics, you could really call it the same thing. The, the logic of identity politics is that we are culpable because of things not only that we didn't do, we're culpable because of things that people of our ethnicity or skin color did if you're white, right? That's the that's central to intersectionality. You are an oppressive white male, um, but you're also culpable for what people who aren't even alive anymore have done. So you are held responsible for what, again, this only applies to, to uh, well, white people in general, but particularly to white males. You're, you're culpable for that oppression. You're culpable for the acts of the collective. Um, and, and therefore, you're guilty even if you didn't do anything, right? You need to, the, the, all this stuff you're seeing with uh, Ibram X. Kendi and all the different intersectional uh, speakers that are showing up on college campuses and talking about the, you know, the how white supremacy has infiltrated all aspects of society. You're told you either agree with us or you're you're part of the white supremacist problem. If you're white, that's what you're told. Oh, okay. So individual acts, decency, individual culpability doesn't matter anymore. And and then there's historical culpability as well. I mean, I just saw that the. Uh, I don't know, some guy, some activist, Native American activist now wants uh, Jeep to stop using the name Cherokee for the Jeep Grand Cherokee. This is what, you know, give them time. They're going to say that calling the fearsome flying tank known as the Apache helicopter, you know, calling it Apache is not about honoring the bravery and skill of Apache warriors. It's denigrating. Give it time. They'll get there. They'll get there. I always tell people, just wait until... Just wait until somebody cracks a book about the Vikings. You know, the Vikings football team, a lot of white male patriarchy and oppression and slavery and rape and pillage. The Vikings were uh, not woke. Go back and read, read the history. Read about those sea wolves. They were not woke. Uh, not at all. But that would require a little bit more research than I think most of the left is willing to do these days. But so they want to get rid of the name Cherokee. They want to make these kinds of of changes and i think now more and more people on the right are recognizing that you can't buy this off you can't convince them uh that this is you know you can't convince them okay we'll meet you halfway and you'll leave us alone no there there is an absolutist mentality behind all of this 
because they disagree with you on fundamental truths. This is what we're seeing with this Democrat Party. I mean, ultimately, AOC, if you if you were able to sit down, no one debates anymore, which is another huge problem that I have. They everyone just tries to take somebody else's words out of context. This is what the left does. Take their words out of context, create a whole frenzy of, you know, cancellation calls and lies and all this stuff around that person and just tries to destroy them through the pressure of appealing only to their own group. What you don't see anymore are people that say, you know what, I will present my ideas in a public forum. I will subject them to open criticism and open debate. Let's see what happens. You you don't have that. Which is terrible, actually. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Follow Buck on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I would love it if we could start to have, I, I, I would like to, Create a platform where we can have real debates between people who are respected by their sides and are making the case that their that their side really believes in. Because now we, we just have warring propaganda factions now within the media. I mean, no one really ever crosses over to have a real exchange of ideas anymore because the left would just prefer to call everybody racist. They just want to call everybody who supports Trump a white supremacist. It's very hard. And also their so-called intellectuals would get crushed on so many of these issues. And they know, I mean, what do you think AOC would be like in a debate? Even her idiot followers who are legion, I mean, there are millions of them, they would go, oh my gosh, she's like not that smart. Like, oh my gosh, AOC is like not very smart. Yeah, she's not. But she's very powerful, very powerful, able to direct the news cycle um, with one tweet, really. The only person that I knew who could do that before her was Trump. There's really nobody else who can set a news cycle with a tweet the way that AOC can. And if she was willing to have a, a real exchange on these ideas, I, I, would, approach, uh, I would approach it with, with the respect of somebody who's willing to be a fair, a fair combatant on the battlefield of ideas deserves, deserves a degree of respect for at least that act. Not that their ideas have to be respected, not that you have to you know, concede anything, but at least someone who's willing to show up, I, I can handle it. But no one does that anymore. I Think about all the big left-wing names. Think about all the people you see in the millions and millions of followers. Have you ever seen them sit down with somebody who's really adept and, and solid at debating? I understand that there has been a lot of theatrics in recent years from you know, conservatives that get to debate on like a college campus, but... Debating 18-year-old kids who don't know anything is amusing, and I, I agree, it is amusing. Um, but we actually need to be having debates with people who have a voice that resonates across the whole country and moves policy. That matters, all right? You know, mocking emotionally disturbed 19-year-olds who are studying, you know, basket weaving at Wesleyan and, and get 30-second questions. You know, I, I've seen their organizations that have these speeches and stuff, and I get it. It's, it's kind of fun sport for conservatives to see how how completely ignorant the left is on campus. But what we really need are people who are influential to be subjected to debate. What we really need are people that are able to move the news cycle with a single tweet to be a part of this. So AOC um, fundamentally would disagree if, if you could sit her down and have a real conversation with the notion that there are people who really want to be in America who actually just aren't able to be here. She does. She does not agree with that notion that we that that Americanness is a limited 
resource in any context whatsoever. This is actually where the, the current left is ideologically. They don't ar articulate it this way, but you should know this is what they believe. So to, so to my question about, and by the way, it wasn't to pick on China just because it's a country of a billion people, but you know, what, would America be the same? Would it be the same country tomorrow if we took in not 50 million Chinese, 50 million Germans, 50 million Brits? Would it be the same country tomorrow if we just said, let's bring in? The answer is no. There are smaller European countries that have started to recognize this in recent years. They say, wow, if you bring in too many, you can overwhelm the system of assimilation. You can overwhelm the political balance in a country and change the nature and character of a country if there's not at least some understanding of striking a balance with, okay, I mean, America takes in a million new Americans through the legal process every year, a million a year. But if we say, hold on a second, you can't just run across the border, claim asylum and stay here forever uh, because that's too easy. And there are hundreds of thousands, millions of people who will do it. You're a racist. You're a bad person. Well, why? Why does that make you racist? Are, are we allowed to have immigration laws or not? Do you think that you could just show up in Spain, for example, and say, I'm Spanish now? Hey, I you know, I, I grew up on the mean streets of NYC and it's dirty and de Blasio's a commie and it's dangerous in some neighborhoods. So I'm claiming asylum in, in Spain with EU country. You think that would work? No. You think you show up right now as an American in Sweden and say, hey, I want my welfare benefits. I don't want to work. You guys pay me and I'm not going to learn your language, which happens a lot in Sweden, as you know, from uh, from uh, refugees from different parts of the world. I mean, I, I had years and years ago meetings with the Swedish government about the about their refugee program when I was working in government. And and some of the problems that come along with bringing large numbers of refugees in from war zones, uh, you know, other countries are able to have borders and able to have some sense of sovereignty. Why can't we? Why is America denied this? The left denies it for us. Um, the, the question that I would always put to you so that you could pass this along to anybody who believes in this this de facto open borders approach is who is not allowed to stay? And is there such a thing you can add to that? Is there such a thing as too much immigration at once? Is, is it possible? And people might say, well, no, because all people are people and everything. Um, ultimately, a nation state is is an idea and it is based on norms, a word that the uh, the left and the Democrats have been abusing so much in recent years. The norms. I know Tucker made a big thing of it last night. It was funny. The norms are under assault. Uh, but. You know, it, it ultimately is the culture, habits, mentality, shared bonds of people. You're not sitting down and getting dictation from the federal government every day, but you know what it is to be an American. And it is possible to fray and eventually snap that bond that you have with Americanness. And the founders knew this. Everybody has known this since the beginning of the country, since the beginning of nation states. Take this back to the Treaty of Westphalia, 1648. You got to create a country and you got to maintain it as an idea, as a legal reality. How are we doing that these days? Now, let's let's abolish ICE, abolish DHS, and also let's get rid of the police forces. That's going to be a really, a really brilliant thing to do. Let's or defund them. Let's make it harder for cops to do their jobs, because how is that going to help anybody? It makes people who live in nice, safe neighborhoods still feel better about themselves. Their virtue signaling, the libs who want 
defund police. Their virtue signaling is more important to them than the victims of horrible, violent crimes that will surge and have surged because of their rhetoric. This is Buck's First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. So I'm going to ask you if you agree with this statement. Uh, allowing, and I'm not suggesting the answer one way or the other, I just want to know what you believe. Allowing biological males to compete in an all-female sport deprives women of the opportunity to participate fully and fairly in sports and is fundamentally unfair to female athletes. This is a very difficult societal question that you're asking here. I know what, what underlies it. I know it. what uh, you're going to be attorney general. Well, but uh, I, I may not be the one who has to make policy decisions like that, but it's not that I'm adverse to it. Look, I think every human being should be treated with dignity and respect. Um, and I, that's an overriding sense of my own character, but an overriding sense of what the law uh, requires. Um, um, this, the particular uh, question of how Title IX applies in schools is one, and in light of the Bostock case, which I know, I know you're very familiar with, is something that I would have to look at um, uh, when I have a chance to do that. I've not had the chance to consider these kinds of issues in my uh, career so far. But I agree that this is a difficult question. It's actually not a difficult question. It's really not. And the fact that the soon-to-be Attorney General of the United States pretends or maybe really does believe it's a difficult question tells you just how far we've gone. The, uh, the Overton window has been shifted on all of this, as you know. The, the grounds, the, the range of acceptable conversation on so many subjects has been changing with extreme speed. And the last 10 years, it feels like it has really hit a new gear. Um, and the last few years, you've seen even with a Republican administration, the left can still advance agenda items, and they have been doing that. Uh, and they they were able to advance, you know, the 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 irony of Trump for four years in office was that they kept calling him a fascist. And then they used a pandemic while Trump was in office to force his hand and and allow for authoritarians to take over, basically to, to hand power over. Trump, they said, was an authoritarian, but they handed over power to actual authoritarians in the, in the lab coats uh, like Fauci. Uh, but, you know, you all know how I feel about that. I mean, I, I'm on a I'm on a one not a one man quest. There are others out there who are saying stuff that's right in line with me. And I, I appreciate every single one of them who will poke their heads out and will take all the heat. I've seen so many people. I obey Fauci because I care and because I don't want people to die and I'm responsible and I believe science. Like, it's been so brainwashed. So brainwashed. They really think I, I don't believe in science. Uh, <laughs> it's it's terrifying. Honestly, I think that we got used to, to believing that there was something unique about Trump that was making libs go crazy, but that they weren't actually going to stay that crazy. I think we convinced ourselves that Trump derangement syndrome was going to be a phenomenon unique to while Trump was in office. And then, you know, there'd be this return to normal, the whole idea of the return to normal. And what we've seen is they're, they're no, they're not returned to normal. They're deranged. 
And now instead of it just being all focused on Trump, it's all of us are responsible, let's say, for the January 6th riot or something, or all of us are white supremacists or white nationalists or, you know, insurrectionists and all these horrible things they're throwing out there. When I say us, I just mean you voted for Trump. Doesn't even you're not white. You voted for Trump. You're still supporting white supremacy. And there are millions of people who are not white who voted for Trump. But that's still allegedly white supremacy. This is what the left believes and what they say. But that level of delusion, that level of, huh? It doesn't just fade away. And they found this, this thing to grip on with COVID-19. And they've had this enormous excuse for authoritarianism. And they have taken it at every turn. And I know where they're going because I understand their mentality. I don't pretend that I, I know the tra- I can understand the trajectory of the virus or, or predict that in advance. I know what the response to it from the authoritarian Democrat left will be. And I have known and I've been right. And this is one of my big concerns is that the ultimate gaslighting will go into effect here pretty soon where they will start to try to convince you that there's no such thing as normal. That what you knew of as normal before 2020, that wasn't really normal. No. No, we should have really been wearing masks during flu season all along. We should have had social distancing rules in effect all along. There should be limitations on capacity at different venues and places. Too, too dangerous for the spread of diseases. Who knows when another COVID will come up. This I'm not saying that this argument will win. I certainly hope and believe that it won't. But it is an argument that you will see popping up. That there really is no such thing as normal. That there was no normal before. And now it's whatever they darn well tell you it is. That's what normal becomes. I think you know that this is the way this country is heading right now. This is the way the Democrats are taking this country, taking over. They've already gotten so much political power. And have they been trying to have they spent even the first hundred days of Biden's administration showing us what good governance looks like and doing things where you say, wow, that's actually you know what? They really did a good job on that one. I'm going to give them credit on it because I will tell you this. Some of you are going to be sometimes frustrated with me. And you have been, I know, in the past and I get your messages about it. If a Democrat does something that's good for America and good for uh, us as a people, I will say it. I, I don't hate everything that Democrats do because they're Democrats. I don't think that all Democrats are bad people or evil or anything like that. I'm not some maniac. I know there are people that are like that. But they haven't done anything. I mean, it's amazing that, that Biden's been in charge for two months and or this is, you know, his second month, whatever it is. And they've done nothing absolutely nothing that I can point to and say, you know what? That one actually makes some real sense. That's really good. It's going to help us out. You know, maybe the trade-off isn't one that I necessarily would have made, but I, I can see where they're coming from on that. I mean, what, the COVID bill? They, they could have done the COVID bill six months ago. They should have done it six months ago or whatever it is, back in July, August. But no, no, they want, th- they want 300 plus billion dollars for cities, cities that are just planning to you know, raise taxes on their productive inhabitants anyway as they're fleeing as fast as they can. So this is all a way of saying 
we don't have this fundamental shared territory anymore. We, we don't have this area, this place where we see eye to eye on key issues uh, with the Democrats. And this is very concerning for the future of this country. And I started this with Merrick Garland being asked about women competing in men's sports. I, I, I want to speak about this in a way that that is clear and honest. And, and it's not it's not trying to trigger anybody. It's not trying to be disrespectful or anything like that. As you know, I'm it's funny. My politics, I'll, I'll get yelled at by leftists. And I always want to point out I'm nicer to people than all these leftist pundits that I know and come across. I, I treat people with more dignity and respect than they do all the time because I, I know a fair number of people on the left. And a lot of them are really nasty, bitter, vicious, crappy people. Uh, but they think that that is canceled out, you see, by their policy preferences, which make them such good people. They're so they're so in touch with their emotions and they're. They're so willing to be sympathetic to everybody and the downtrodden. And, you know, they apologize for white supremacy in our society and all this kind of stuff. Right. OK, sure. Um, we are we are now at a point in America where we cannot agree on men are not women and women are not men as a a definitive, true and universal statement. Now, I understand that this this could be a moment where you say, oh, but that's just one issue. And, you know, the transgender community, for example, is a very small percentage overall of of the country. Um, so it is, you know, it's, it's a minority. It's it's a, a very small minority group. Um, but this is actually about this is more about the underlying philosophy of a lack of agreement on on absolute truth or on fundamental truth. Something as straightforward as men are not women, women are not men is a statement you cannot say. You're not allowed to do that anymore. It's more complicated to borrow from Merrick Garland. I mean, as any guy who played a reasonable, uh, you know, reasonable level of high school athletics will tell you, if you're a decent male high school athlete and you go try to compete, let's say in a scrimmage, a co-ed scrimmage for fun against women's uh women's sports teams if you have some facility in that sport and like i said not at a high level you know that men have an enormous advantage over women in athletics we all know this there's a physical difference it is a real thing and you could say well just like the transgender issue why do conservatives focus on this and because i i don't like being told to bend the knee and say things that are not true and I really don't like living in a country, living in a society where the consensus is against truth on any issue. And this is this is clear. I mean, you have the soon to be attorney general of the United States saying this is a complicated issue. It's not complicated. It is not fair for biological men to compete against biological women in competitive athletics. It's very straightforward. It's actually not complicated at all. And for those who say it's it's a minor issue, even within sports. No, it's not. All you need are. A couple of uh, transgender males uh, or transgender females, rather, who are competing against biological females in sports and, and they'll set all the records and they'll they'll win all the you know statewide tournaments or national level tournaments or whatever it is. I mean, you can see go look, look at some of the photos out there of some of the transgender females that are competing against biological females. And you go, OK, well, that individual is going to be like the best at that sport in the state, maybe in the country. Now, imagine if you worked, you've worked countless hours 
blood, sweat, and tears, getting up early in the morning, perhaps being on traveling teams, sacrifice a lot of time with family, a lot of time with friends to to really excel in your sport. You know, you're trying to be, you know, the women's 800 meter, uh, 800 meter champion, let's say in track. And sure enough, you know, you get to the point where you're at the NCAA championship and you're, you're thinking you're, and a biological um, male who's now a transgender female shows up and, and beats you and sets the record. And, you know, and, and by the way, that record will also affect everybody else all the other females who are competing. We all know this. We all understand this. This is not a really, but but what the left does is they get emotionally unhinged. They get emotionally upset. How dare you? You're so mean. You're so nasty. Well, are we dealing in reality? Are we dealing in, are we dealing in feelings? Are we dealing in reality? Are we dealing in uh, whatever people decide to conjure up as a narrative of the moment? Ask Merrick Garland. This guy's going to be the top law enforcement officer in the United States. And he can't answer a very straightforward question here. Can't answer a very straightforward question. And we should all wonder why. Why? He knows the answer, but he won't say it. And he knows the answer is something that the left doesn't want to hear, the real answer. So he won't speak the truth. What does that mean?